the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we see every day in the news the need for people to fulfill the obligations of that most important political office. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and um, my usual co-host has more important things to do today, like a telephone call with his, uh, with, with his uh, superiors. So uh, filling in is John Barry, from, also from the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and John is on the cabinet. He is the state coordinator for the Tea Party Patriots. He's on the national board of the Tea Party Patriots, and he leads our canvassing effort that reached a record 19,000 voters in 2018. Welcome, John. Yeah, thrilled to be here. And since Democrats have made coup attempts fashionable, uh, I thought I would permanently try to replace Don Dix on the show with a coup of my own. But like the Democrats, I failed. So I'm here just for today. Oh, well, better, better luck next time. We are pleased to um, have as a guest today, Tom Del Bacar. We've had him on the show before. We've spoken to our group. And he's the author of the book, The Divided Era. He's a... Fox News contributor. He is a columnist or writer for the Epoch or Epoch Times, however that, that is pronounced, a great newspaper. And he has his own website for news and information called thepoliticalvanguard.com. Welcome to the show, uh, Tom. And the reason, the reason why I asked you on the show, and we'll talk about other things, is your article about if we're going to judge Donald Trump's intent, maybe we should also look at Robert Mueller's intent. 100%. Great to be back on with you guys. Thanks for your continued great work. You know, um, I don't buy St. Muller at all. That's got a bad record. Blue the Atlanta bombing. Uh, I didn't mean to use words like that. He, he, he did a bad job there. Did a bad job in the anthrax. Did a bad job in Boston where he... Uh, we knew there was exculpatory evidence, refused to let it come to light. Two guys died in jail who were innocent. Two, two others sued, and the government paid $100 million. If you don't believe me, just Google Mueller L.A. Times, and you'll find the L.A. Times wrote about his spotty record. And with Trump, you have to ask yourself how it is, and I have two of these op-eds at Fox, you have to ask yourself, and remember that the day before he took the job, he interviewed the special counsel job. He interviewed to be the FBI director. Then he took the job. That's why Trump said he was conflicted. As Kamala Harris said yesterday, witness for the first time, witness and fact finder. We don't do that. He was a witness. He never said taking this job. But you know what? He came to a conclusion after two years, put out a report of three weeks ago, that says no evidence of collusion. Didn't say some, not enough. He said the conclusion is no, no evidence. You know what that means, guys? 
I mean, from the day he took the job, there was no evidence. And every single day in between, there was no evidence. Why does that matter? Because now you can look at his intent. Now you have to ask yourself why he engaged in all those heavy-handed tactics against Flynn, against Jerome Corsi, against Stone, against Manafort. How many, how many tax sheets did solitary confinement post? That's what happened to Manafort. Why Jerome Corsi had to go all through this? Because the whole time they were aware there was no evidence of collusion. You, you can't come to the conclusion, no evidence of a conclusion, and like a month before go, oh, here's evidence of collusion. So all these heavy-handed tactics, why this matters. He started off against General Flynn very heavy-handed. He was aware that the FBI previously came to the conclusion that he didn't lie, even though the FBI tried to set him up to lie, as Comey admitted. And yet he, what he did, Mueller, is create this palpable sense of fear by bringing the full weight of the government down on an individual. Now, why does this matter? It goes way beyond the innocent General Flynn, who was forced to capitulate near bankruptcy. It created a sense of fear in Americans who were contacted by this prosecutor's office from there on in. And let me tell you, there's 500 witnesses, and many of them were saddled with huge attorney's fees bills. And they knew, these people who worked in the Trump campaign, they knew justice and the truth didn't matter to Mueller. How do I know this? Well, I know some of the people involved, but the point is, they knew there was no such thing as collusion. They knew Flynn was innocent, but suffering, which meant they didn't believe Mueller was after the truth. They were good, and they needed to lawyer up, and the whole system was perverted. And what Mueller did should never be allowed to happen again. You wanted to say something, John? Yeah, uh, you talked to, among those listed names that you listed, Tom, was uh, Lieutenant General Flynn. And I take this personally when I see him getting getting the raw treatment that he's getting, because in 1983, I, we were both paratroopers in Alpha Company, the 313th Military Intelligence Battalion of the 82nd Airborne Division. I was a freshly shaved private out of airborne school, and he was, a at that time, a first lieutenant. But I remember going to the field with him. I remember he was a jump master, and he would uh, guide us to getting out of the plane and out to uh, Sicily Drop Zone in Fort Bragg. I remember that now, like, we're having this discussion. So it it just really pangs me because we privates really admired the guy. We really respected the guy. And, you know, he was a guy that somebody last looked up to. So I have a personal connection and now when I see him getting hounded on TV, like he's being taken out to the stockade or putting in stock so the media could throw its tomatoes at him, I, I just think that's an injustice that absolutely makes me seethe. But, um, and, it, and it should, because, because he, the government tried, Comey admitted that he was trying to set him up. He told him that the interview was about one thing when it was really about another. 
he also didn't set it up to the normal channels, so Flynn wasn't on guard. And even after all of that, Comey and others made the decision he really wasn't trying to lie. Anybody could have made, you know, that type of mistake. And then Mueller picks it up, pounces on him, and he did that for a reason. You let everyone else know, every other witness. You throw Manafort into solitary confinement so you can tell every other witness, if you don't go play ball, then this is what's going to happen to you. It's its own form of obstruction of justice because it's scaring people into testimony. Well, of course he reported that. He, is that is he, he reported that the special counsel's office wanted him to lie. And uh, 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 Manafort's attorneys has said the same thing, is that they were being pressured to lie by Mueller's t- team of, quote, lawyers, unquote. Yes, and, and so what, <laughs> that's, it's, that's prosecutorial abuse. And that doesn't seem to matter, because if Trump says out loud, this is a witch hunt, which some Democrats say is obstruction of justice, which also meant that Bill Clinton obstructed justice, and on and on and on, because he was after uh, the special independent counsel back then, uh, Mr. Starr. But if we get away from their complete double standards, the fact of the matter is, what Mueller did was prosecutorial abuse, and he never had any evidence to go on. This would be a slightly different story if he had evidence and he could show someone did something wrong, but he didn't. And in fact, when he took the job, he was told immediately by Peter Strzok that there were, was no evidence. When he took the job, Brennan went on TV a week later, top spy said there was, he didn't know of any evidence. And Senator Dianne Feinstein, who sat on the Judiciary Committee and the Intelligence Committee and got to see the intelligence that America, the rest of Americans couldn't see, and she said she didn't have any facts. So the fact that he proceeded in the manner he did for two years with no facts, the fact that, that he knew this long ago, he, he could have delivered this verdict a year ago and lifted the veil for Republicans in, in the last election. He didn't want to do that. Instead... He continues on and takes it out on Republicans with his second half of the impeachment, his impeachment uh, prelude, which, by the way, there's no law that says he can do any report at all. He could have submitted a, a two-line letter saying, I've served and we have completed our investigation. Our findings are there were no collusion and we don't have sufficient evidence to make a determination of obstruction. That could have been the whole report. But he chose... To light America on fire. Well, I chose to serve the interests of the Democrat Party. And there, there's so much to this. Is the whole Russia collusion was a setup with the Hillary Clinton campaign and the FBI and the Department of Injustice from the get-go. But you also look at the team of people. If you were really going to do it, if you were really going to look into the, the president of the United States, you've given that responsibility, huge political stakes, what would you do? You would find a team of the most of impeccable morally and ethically and a political team of prosecutors you could find well, a mixture of Democrats and Republicans because you'd want whatever your conclusion to be at the end of this 
if you're really doing an objective investigation, is you want the Democrats, most Democrats and most Republicans to say, okay, this has been a fair investigation, and here's the result, however way it goes. But that's not what it did, of course. And he picked highly partisan, all Democrat attorneys, some of which, including his deputy, have adjudicated records of prosecutorial misconduct. Yeah, he did his, Mueller did his deep state best to take out Trump, and he just absolutely failed. Uh, in my previous life as a newspaper reporter, I covered criminal and civil courts uh, over here in San Bernardino County. And I've read many reports and, uh, coming out, and I just can't believe that you're either found guilty or not guilty. It's not like a little bit pregnant, which is what you're having here by the Mueller report. 488 pages of speculation. I mean, that's not what a prosecutor's supposed to do. No, not at all. They're just supposed to return an indictment or not. And so this is this is Robert Mueller and his team. Look, he picked a highly partisan team. Oh, he's not supposed. Oh, he's not supposed to check into the partisan nature of, of people. Okay, so it was just a mystery that he came up with so many Democrats donors and the and the attorney for the Clinton Foundation. It's a scene, and so. He is, he's not St. Muller in my book. He didn't do a good job. He's done many bad jobs, but he's the ultimate example of the Peter Principle. You stick around long enough. It's like being a bad baseball manager. It doesn't matter that you were bad somewhere else because you've had experience. It's like being a bad political consultant. Oh, but I have experience. What's your track record? Nobody seems to care. Let's pause here for a word from our sponsor, and hopefully, Tom, you can stay with us for another segment, and we'll roam about the country and maybe get your take on the 2020 uh, presidential election. How many Democrats are up to? I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40 are, are running. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 0114 NMLS 9873 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. AM 590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, and where we have been determined by official records to be the number one conservative talk radio show in our market, in our time slot. And we've worked very hard to achieve that. John, you had a few more thoughts on this more and the whole Russia collusion controversy. Yeah, so the question is, why is this still going on? Because Nancy Pelosi has signaled 
that the Democrats are not going to pursue impeachment. It's not in their political advantage to do so. And yet, as you're seeing now, you saw this week on television, that the Democrats are pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. So the question is, why? Is it that Nancy Pelosi can't control her base? Is it that this is what the Democrat Party really wants? Is it that the media is driving the narrative? So, and can the Democrats stop that impeachment train, even if they'd wanted to? Can you address that? Sure. I I said last November after the election, and ever since on radio and TV, and I do about 400 radio and TV shows a year now, Nancy Pelosi has by far the hardest job in Washington. She can't control the agenda. She can't control the agenda because of the AOCs and Jerry Nadler's of the world. She can't control the agenda because Donald Trump is president. And she can't control the agenda because it's a presidential election year and those candidates push the issue. For instance, Joe Biden said yesterday that Barr should resign. So she can't control things. So the best thing she can do is occasionally push the inner tube down the river in a particular side of the river, but it's still going to get there. That's why on November 1st in the Washington Examiner last year, I said the Democrats would do three things if they won the House. They would do endless investigations, right? They, we know they're doing that. They would do shutdown politics. They've already engaged in that. And they would get to impeachment because they can't control it. Now, it maybe it's possible they never actually get to impeachment, but they're going to talk about it endlessly, but not really. This will end when congressional candidates say to Nancy Pelosi, enough's enough. There's 41 of us who are freshman candidates, including those within the sound of our voice. And that's, this isn't working among independents, and we could lose the House. When she hears that, that's when she'll come down on Nadler, who's in a protected district. That's when she'll come down on AOC, who's in a protected district. And, and then she'll go to the presidential candidates and say the same. Look, look at this polling data. This isn't helping you become the nominee or president. Please stop. And they have a great capacity to, to, to be disciplined. They're kind of like a school of fish. They get the signal, and they all go off on the, the same direction. It's like after, the, after Barr's letter came out, Pelosi says, let's talk about health care. And for the next th- several days, all MSNBC and, and uh, CNN talked about was health care. You know, Greg, I'm going to outright steal that school of fish analogy. That was awesome. Or a flock of birds in the sky. You're 100% right. They, they're very nimble. They get their talking points, manufactured crisis at the border, on and on and on. That's exactly how it is. But this, and another important point here is two things are about to happen that are going to change the narrative significantly. Yesterday was a bit of a high-water mark for them to talk to their base. If Barr comes back to talk to Nadler, they may get another bump. They're going to get a bump if Mueller shows up. And let me tell you, if Mueller shows up, he's an idiot because he is painting himself into a corner. If they ask him in your heart of hearts, do you think he should have uh, obstruction occurred? And if he says yes, 
then he ruined his career forever because he'll be deemed gutless for not making the decision. And he will have set the country on fire, and that will be his contribution to civilization and won't be good. But they may get a high-water mark out of that, but it's all downhill or against the Democrats at that point because when the FISA report comes out, it's going to be ugly. When the indictments come out, it's going to be ugly. Trump will probably release classified information, which shows how bad these people were. The Dem- and the Democrat debates will go on, and the Democrat debates are going to be in some ways a circus. Beto O'Rourke will say circus things. Joe Biden won't have control over the process. He's not going to actually look that good in the debate. And so the narrative's going to change. This is their close to their high watermark, and then things get bad for Democrats. The recent polls show that uh, Joe Biden is le- has a big lead on the rest of the uh, Democrats. Uh, but you're, you were you were the party still earlier this year that uh, it's not Biden. You think that it's going to be Bernie Sanders. Why is that? Well, Joe Biden's been a horrific candidate his whole life. Um, he's run twice before for president, and he had to drop out twice before because of personal problems. And the fact that he's his mouth, he just says things. He's not in control of his mouth. Like when he said last week that, that all around the globe were calling me to save the country, save the world. Nobody called him to save the world. He's just incapable of talking in a measured fashion. Plus, he's capitulating to the left every turn, The bar, saying Barr should resign. He knows William Barr. He knows this is he didn't do anything, but it doesn't matter. He's got to keep up with the left. That's not going to work well. He's going to have to come out for universal health care, and I think he's going to fade. Remember, there's polls, national polls, and then there's the primaries, and it's the primaries that matter. And Bernie Sanders has 20% of every single primary, and they're solid with him. The question is whether Biden can get above that. Maybe he can in Iowa, but he's got eight months to go, and by the way, once the Pfizer report comes out and Trump re- releases some information, the, the mantra is going to be, where was Joe? Is he going to claim I didn't know anything? Because that'll look stupid. It's probably may well be true. But you're a vice president and you have, no, you know, what's your point to a success? Now you're just telling us you didn't know what was going on. So what have you done? I think he paid. I think Bernie wins Iowa or, or, or comes in second. Bernie wins New Hampshire. Bernie's got a great uh, organization in California, and I just think Biden's going to fade and Bernie's going to win. Yeah, to jump in about Bernie, uh, I actually saw Bernie at the Iowa State Fair four years ago, and I could see why you say 20%, because the swooning that goes on when Bernie is on a hay bale at the Des Moines Register Pavilion is just amazing. You swear these people had just drunk the biggest gulp of Kool-Aid that they but they were just like in love with Bernie and his crazy hair going all which direction. So his base is solid. It's absolutely solid. I, I might disagree. I think maybe twenty percent might be a little bit too low, but these people might stay home if he gets does not get the nomination. Well, you know, and John shot this great little home, you know, cell phone video of Bernie at that same thing, and Bernie was all was looking in every pocket for something, and he's, Bernie says, dang, I lost your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> it will be. I like that. But, 
<laughs> the other thing is, is Bernie has run a national campaign before. He's yeah. phenomenal at raising money. Yeah. He raised $18 million in the first quarter. The closest to him was Kamala at 12. 50 percent's a lot. I, I think he's... I, look, I still think he gets the nominee, be the nominee, and I think, honestly, that Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar is his uh, running mate. We are out of time for this segment. Tom, can you hang with us for another segment? I can. Thanks. Wonderful. Okay. I have more of Tom DelBacaro and the national scene as well as what's going on in California after news, traffic, and weather at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590, The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 0114-7747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603-6. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, our guest host John Barry, also with the Redlands Tea Party Patriot. He's our canvassing director, led our effort to reach a record 19,000 voters in, in 2018. And our guest this week is Tom DelBacaro. He's the author of the book, The Divided Era. He, uh, he is a uh, former chairman of the California Republican Party. We'll talk about what's going on there in a, in a little bit. And his news political website is politicalvanguard.com. He's a columnist with the Epoch or Epoch Times and a Fox News contributor. When after our discussion, we were handicapping the Democrat race for the nomination, and uh, Tom thinks it's going to be Bernie Sanders. And John, you wanted to follow up on that discussion. Well, I, I thought Tom's assessment of Bernie was pretty accurate, so much so that I'm now taking Bernie in the office poll to be the Democrat nominee. But... I, <laughs> I want to know the flip side of that, though. Who are you scared of right now? Bernie's going to have his hardcore. I, as a Trump conservative Republican, I absolutely love that the nuttier they get, the better it is for us. But who are you scared of? And I'm looking particularly at the Midwest at somebody like uh, Amy Klobuchar or Tim Ryan, somebody who has the potential to take away those industrial Midwestern states that Trump won unexpectedly. I mean, who are you scared of? in that pack? Um, you know, this is very interesting. We, we had a lot of, between the 60s and, and 2000, or 1994, we had a lot of one-term presidencies. Uh, Reagan was the two-term, but Nixon really didn't finish out. Ford didn't. Uh, Johnson didn't. Carter didn't. Bush 41 didn't. We, we had two in a row with Bush, but with, I'm sorry, with Clinton, who was wind-aided uh, because of Ross Perot. He, he probably would have lost that without Ross Perot. Uh, then we had Bush 
two in a row, but he he lost popular vote one of the times, and then we had Obama. And Republicans have lost four out of the five last popular votes. Now, you can argue about whether some of those votes were illegal or not, but the reality is, at the end of the day, they've lost four out of five. So, And you have to take into account that President Trump won Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, inside straight if there ever was one, and all four of those moved slightly left in the last election. Ohio moved the least, I think. So then the question becomes, can Trump in and of himself recreate that? And I must say that writing, speaking to you as a historian and not a partisan, I'm not convinced that Trump has increased his natural base going forward into the next election. Sure, the economy's doing well. But look at the CNN poll on the economy today. 90% of Republicans, or this came out this week, not today, um, 90% of the Republicans think he's doing a good job on the economy. 76% of the Democrats say he's not. That's how partisan things are right now. Someone should write a book about that. I think they should call it the divided era. So the the odds of a Republican repeating in these circumstances are, are getting longer all the time. And that's what I'm most afraid of. I think he can beat Bernie Sanders, especially if Howard Schultz gets in the race. I think he can beat Amy Klobuchar because she just doesn't have a strong enough presence, although I think she'd make a good running mate. Joe Biden, I, I, I think Joe Biden can't actually handle this race physically and what it will take for him to be everywhere and do everything and not make deaths. All other things being equal, if the race was tomorrow, Pennsylvania, could, could Biden beat Trump? Yes. But that's not going to be the case next fall. Trump is, whatever else you want to say about him, is he has a motor in his body that I don't even think me, who's a lot younger than him, could keep up with. And But so does Bernie, right? So so I, what I'm most scared about isn't a particular candidate. It is the underlying factors that are at work and throw in the media and that's a big risk for republicans and they the other thing i'm most afraid of and if people go to politicalvanguard.com and then i have it it's called the 2020 uh i don't even know what it's called i'm gonna have to go right there we we, we put this up and started uh putting all the uh it's the pv 2020 election corner and there's a, a link there to all my commentaries. There's 11 of them so far on this election. Uh, the, the Republicans also need to come up with an answer on health care. We all know, and Bernie Sanders said long ago, that universal health care, Medicare for all, will bankrupt the country. The problem is the Republicans don't have an alternative. And in politics, often the ridiculous beats nothing. You know, this, you can't beat something with nothing. Well, the ridiculous can beat nothing. And that's where the Republicans are. So I'm afraid of the underlying currents and the Republicans' failure to come up with a health care alternative. So it's not people but circumstances that could derail Trump, 
Okay. And so historically, kind of the three reasons why a president loses, I mean, war, scandal, and the economy, right? And all those are, the scandal didn't stick. We defeated ISIS and our economy is, is just gangbusters right now, which my 401k can attest. By the way, any liberals out there feel guilty, I'll be happy to take your 401k from that. So, But those are the three reasons, war, scandal, and economy. So those are the things that Joe Q. Public isn't going to sense? Well, look, if you actually go to that link, the 2020 corner, I wrote an article in the Epoch Times about the last election. The Democrats don't vote economy. Okay. They become The nation is so rich. And they have such economic security as compared to it. And I'm talking as a historian. You say you look over lengthy periods of time. Um, since the 50s and 60s, so much economic assurance and security that they have the time to worry about non-economic things. Most of history is concerned about food and economics. And only rich societies get to debate these more arcane issues like gay marriage, where that can actually make a difference in an election. And so the reality is that uh, for the Republicans, they need to understand that the Democrats are going to vote Democrat just to get rid of Trump and the Republicans, period. And, and I, I, maybe Trump is rougher around the edges than others, but they demonize Bush 43, they demonize Romney, they demonize Reagan. They're not going to find a Republican they like. The Democrats are set to win this election in their minds just to replace Republicans. Doesn't matter who they run, doesn't matter who the Republicans run. Another important factor, I think, in the, in the election is big dem tech. There's a professor, uh, last name is Epstein, Robert Epstein. Actually, he's a, he's a liberal, but he's done some research into this. And Google alone, he figures, in the 2018 election through manipulation of its search results, shifted 4 million votes to the Democrats. And that doesn't count Facebook and Twitter and the massive ongoing purge of, computer, of conservatives and shadow banning, all the things that they do. So this is, this is a huge advantage and one that, unfortunately, our side has done Nothing about other than intermittent hand wringing. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, and I consider consider them part of the more the media as a whole, and 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 the tech sector a subset of the major media. I mean, when you when you read a poll that says 30, only 34 percent of Americans know that Hillary funded the dossier. You know that Google slash MSNBC and reading the rest are doing the job that they want to do. They're no longer news services. They are partisan services. So the media, this is part of the underlying factor that, I, that I'm describing that makes it very hard for Republicans to win the presidency. Well, and on the tax cuts, you 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 led helped lead the effort on President Trump's tax cut and tax reform plan. But the polls show again for the same reasons that most Americans, even though they are getting a tax cut, don't believe they're getting a tax cut. 
Yes, um, and it, it, it's not, I'm sure you'll agree with me, it's not the exact same reason, because in this, in that particular instance, you're right, all those factors apply to it, but the Republicans have also refused to go out there and make the connection for people. And um, and Greg and, and John, you guys live your life actually thinking how you're going to communicate messages to those 19,000 voters. Republicans don't do that enough. You actually put something in their hand and said, this is what matters. Republicans do not do that. Democrats do it all the time. We don't do it enough. We need to take a, a break here and hear from our sponsor. And we've, you've been very generous with your time, Tom. You got time for us, uh, another segment and talk about California? Sure. Why not? Great. After this word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased to have Tom Del Beccaro on the line with us. Uh, among other things, he, you, in a former life, was the chairman of the California Republican Party, uh, which is you know, kind of going, going, gone now. Um, Tom, is it, what do you think is what about what's going on in California? Is there any prospect of stopping the leftward lurch or careening to the left was going on in California and the near absence of any opposition from the remnants of the Republican Party? Well, you know, Greg, I uh, was a New York death fan back on January 12, 1969. And I bet 50 cents straight up the Jets would beat the Colts. So I am obviously a dreamer and a risk taker. If you look at what Republicans, their situation now, some interesting things are going on. The population growth has slowed in California. A lot of that, though, has to do with people leaving the state. But the reality is the state uh, on the cusp of being in real difficulty is being rescued by the by the Trump tax cuts to a significant degree. But I think they have a, the state is going so far in the wrong direction that somewhere along the line here, there's going to be an opening. Now, what's an opening in politics? An opening, there are many openings in politics. It's just a question whether the opposition party takes this. How do you take an opening? You take the issue and you run with it, and you put a solution in people's hands, and then they vote for you and trust you because you came up with a solution while the other side didn't because they were the monolithic one-party state who stopped caring about voters. Pendulum swings are based on such things often. So is it possible for the Republicans to come back? Sure. 
Pennsylvania had super majorities for Republicans in, in the House, in the Assembly, in the Senate. Michigan went from a big union labor state to a was controlled for Republicans by a while for a while. So yes, these things are possible, but not if the Republicans in the legislature don't come up with a unified plan, putting it in voters' hands, very important, like you guys do, to put things in voters' hands you know, so they have a choice that they can rationally make. Until Republicans come up with and seize an opening, until they put something in people's hands and give them a choice, no, there won't be a comeback, even though the Democrats are continually giving them options. You look, at, you look at the situation in California with the record high record. California has the highest cost of living adjusted poverty rate in the country. And electricity prices for residential are 50 percent plus above the national average. We see the price of gasoline is now bumping up over four dollars a gallon. Well, it's it's in the low two dollar range in Texas. And you go on and on and on housing prices. And But it seems that the people that are hurt most by Democrat Party policies are its most loyal voters, and Republicans have just not been able to crack that. I haven't given them a choice. Why, why would you vote for a Republican governor if that party hadn't given you a substantial choice over the years? You know, politics is, uh, uh, is a momentum game. But it also takes a long time to rebrand yourself. Better not to lose your initial brand. Republicans have lost it. Voting for Jack increases in life. It takes a long time, usually, or a crisis to cause a flip. And the Republicans, uh, uh, you know, if you look, think about the House of Representatives that was in Democrat hands for 38 years, even though Reagan came in, and did really well historically. The fact is that the Republicans didn't take take the House back for a number of years until they built up credibility and offered a solution. They still they're still in that that holding pattern here in California at the very least, and they need to find issues and press them. The first time around, they're not going to succeed in getting it back. But you have to start to develop a brand. And maybe the first two or three are like, oh, look what they're saying over there. And then something really significant happens. And then they can capitalize on it. I don't even see them taking that first step. So what issue? You talked about making a choice in this famously liberal state. So what issue would cause a Democrat voter to say, hey, that's going to cause me to flip to Republican? I'm thinking school choice, which one of the big reasons why Republicans won Florida. Um, is what yeah. other issue? Is it taxes or what's going to cause that? I love your line, the crisis to cause a flip. What is what issue could cause the Democrats to flip? What I would do right now, if I was in charge of the Republicans, is do a massive statewide signature gathering effort to re- force the repeal of high speed rail. It's a waste of money. It's an issue like now 70% of the state would probably vote for. You could pick up a, you, you could pick up a ton of email addresses and phone numbers, and you could say, and, and you sell it by saying, is that $74 million now? 
billion, sorry. And with 74 billion, we could we could do the following. Or and or the Republicans should have seven water bills that cover the whole state, you know, a group of um, uh, candidates or assembly or Senate people in your area covering areas of the state, say, here's our seven-step plan, whatever it is, help us get this passed in, in Sacramento. Do If you like school choice, do it with school choice. The reason why I, I talk about initiatives and things like that is that's a, it's a good way to collect voters, but you have to, like, that, it forces the party to engage voters. Too often what happens in Sacramento is they come up with a bill that's a good idea. It gets shot down in committee, and they send out an email to their own little list saying, well, I stood for this, but it didn't work. you got to create momentum behind it statewide. And so that's why they need the statewide efforts to, to bring to light something that isn't working, bring your alternative, and, and run with it. And that's the kind of thing they need to do. They need a statewide marketing effort around practical solutions, and they, they just don't do it. And I guess you can ask why not. Uh, we only have a few minutes, I mean, a couple of minutes here. Tell us about your book, The Divided Era, and why it is so divided, and what might be done about it. So about 12 years ago, I started talking to people about this, Greg, about why there's division. And a lot of people blame division on Trump. They blame it on Obama, the Democrats, the Republicans, special interests, money, ideology. Look, John Marshall back in 1804, writing about George Washington, talked about two parties that emerged in, in the United States. One that was uh, sort of insisted on, on keeping contractual rights and another saying we should for, essentially forgive debtors. Does that sound familiar? Ideologically, people throughout, throughout all of history, whether it's the Renaissance uh, parties in Florence, um, the, the Black Gulfs or the White Gulfs in Italy, there tends to be a conservative and a more liberal party. And the, the reason why division in democratic societies, which includes republics in this case, increases, or one reason, it's because the more government decides, the more it divides. Every government decision picks a winner and a loser. And depending on the decision, it can really cause division, like it's the, the slavery and leading to the Civil War. And so we should stop blaming candidates. We should stop blaming consultants, stop blaming lobbyists. The growth in lobbyist spending directly tracks with the growth in government. The division tracks with the growth in government. So if you want, mathematically, the more government does, the more it divides. Today, our governments are handing out $7 trillion-plus in 2019 from the city council level to the top. Someone's going to compete to get money. There's intense competition to hand it out. And then there's really intense competition not to be tapped. So the premise of the book is the historical reality that Government decisions tend to divide. Taxation tends to divide. So the more of that, the more better. And I, and I cover the three distinct periods prior to our own where we had division, including Civil War and Reconstruction. 
I compare and contrast them in today and talk about why today's a bit different than before. And you can get that book at Amazon.com or politicalvanguard.com. I think there's another, maybe even more fundamental reason for the division, and it goes be, because and it goes to things that are beyond money. Uh, Pat Buchanan said, as the culture war is about irreconcilable beliefs about God and man, right and wrong, good and evil, and is at its root a religious war, that back, even in time of the Civil War, almost everyone in the country was a Christian. And they had a more similar, in many ways, I think the division now over these basic fundamental values and beliefs is greater than it was at the time of the shooting civil war. And I think it's only getting wider. Okay, so I actually cover this in the book because there was a lot of religious division during periods of time in American history, especially at the beginning. The reason, that's natural in a society. Where the real division comes is when the government forces a decision on the issue. It would be one thing for, uh, and actually gay marriage is a great example of this. It would be one thing if there was gay marriage in San Francisco, because local voters voted for it. It's a different issue when all of society, government makes a decision and then imposes it on all of society, even those who disagree with it. And the, the larger government is, the more times it imposes a decision. So you could have religious differences in 1580 in America. There were. There were Quakers in one place or uh, uh, Church of England people in a different place. Tom, I'm going to have to be terribly rude and interrupt you here because we are up against a hard break here. I want to thank you so much for being on the show and look forward to having you back and continuing this discussion and see if the California Republican Party has followed any of your excellent advice. Thanks again and tune in next week at 4 p.m. for another edition of Unite IE Radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.